He is greater. He is our high priest. He is our great high priest. Come before him with boldness and confidence. Come before him on your knees and watch God rock your world. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you. It's great to be worshiping with you, both online, here, live, in person, just fired up to be going after Jesus Christ. Man, it is all about Christ. We're in a series here. We've been in it now for a number of weeks. We actually just went into the second series here called Greater Jesus, My High Priest. Greater, Jesus, my high priest, as we're diving in to the book of Hebrews and heading into the next section. And our job here is to learn all that is awesome about Christ. Everything that he is so worth worshiping for. That's what we're here for. May we learn from the book of Hebrews. May we grow in our passion for Christ. May he get all the glory. And it's amazing how fast time has been flying. I mean, we are just whipping through the fall. It's hard to believe we're already kind of ending up in mid to late fall. I mean, here's words you don't want to hear, but like next week is already time change time. Like, can you believe that's coming? Like, it's crazy how fast this stuff is coming around. And it is amazing how God is here to get all the glory and we need to give him the focus. And it gets so easy to get distracted out on other things. So let's give him our all. Let's go after it with all we've got. Greater, Jesus, my high priest. Turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter five, starting in verse five. Hebrews five, starting in verse five. And uh, today we're studying Jesus is our eternal salvation or our eternal solution. This salvation that we have in him, as the passage will say, it's a huge hope. Jesus, our eternal solution. So point number one says, rest assured and worship. Jesus is the highest appointed mediator ever. Rest assured and worship. Jesus is the highest appointed mediator ever. There is no one higher than Jesus Christ. There is no one greater. He is greater. Everybody just say, he is greater with me. He is greater. Louder, bigger. He is greater. He is greater. Jesus Christ. And that's what we're looking at today as we continue on in this passage. Rest assured, he is greater. It says, so also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. It starts out, so also, and this is really a transition point the author is making where he was talking about the high priest, these human beings that were high priests in the Old Testament, these guys who had played that role, and now he's transitioning to the great high priest. He's transitioning to the one who is absolutely king of kings, Jesus Christ. And so he's saying, like, these guys were the high priests, so now you're going to see Christ fulfilling all of that, and then some. So he uses the word, so also, just like them, Christ too. I'll say it this way. Uh, when my kids were little, when my girls were little, we actually did this thing called Indian princesses. I don't know if you've heard of it, but you end up as dads, you take the daughters out camping and we would do a camping trip in the spring and a camping trip in the fall each year, like when they were little, little, like four or five, six years old. 
And uh, it was a blast to get out there with other dads and their daughters and do this. And so teaching them how to get prepped for it, we would actually set up a list and we would write the list down of everything we would need for the camping trip weekend. And we would get it all set up. And then we would go and we would start to bring things up and put them in the living room. And when we think we had them all together, we would then stop and go through the list. And somebody in the middle of the room would be like picking something up and they would go step by step like, all right, I have the sleeping bags, check. Right, And we would go through all of them, and every time we had something said, we would have to say out, okay, check, and we would literally put a check on the checklist so that we don't forget anything and so that we're making sure we've got everything that was planned. And I'm just telling you that's exactly what God is doing with this. He's like, I'm showing you that who the high priest was, Old Testament, was some of what was going on. I'm now showing you how I have absolutely, completely remembered everything and fulfilled it in Jesus Christ. Jack, right? He's going back, and as you remember from last week, some of the details, it said that the high priest is chosen among men, that you had to be man. Jesus Christ being fully God and fully man, super important, appointed to act on behalf of men that the high priest would go on behalf of mankind and stand before God on behalf of them, covering their sin. Experienced and knowing weakness. Experiencing and knowing weakness. Tasting of pain and heartache and knowing what it means. Dealing gently with sinners. High priests needed to deal gently with sinners. Their own sin being a part of their awareness and so careful with those around as they were representing and covering the sin. And then pure before offering any sacrifice for others. Had to be pure before offering any sacrifice. And then lastly, called by God the Father to do this role. Called by God the Father. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to go through the checklist. Your job is just to say check out loud, all right? So uh, let's just get a practice. Everybody say check. Yeah, a little louder. All right, here we go. We're going to go through the list. Jesus Christ, chosen among men. Jesus Christ, appointed to act on behalf of men. Experienced and knowing weakness. Dealing gently with sinners. Pure before offering any sacrifice for others. And then lastly, called by God the Father. Jesus Christ, he is the fulfillment of the role of high priest and he is the great high priest. No one like him. Jesus Christ. In fact, he says, so also, and now he goes to the last of the details, the called by God. He says, so also, Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest. Christ didn't exalt himself. He wasn't like, I'm, I'm the high priest. I'll, I'll, I'll be that role. I'll put myself there. It's all about me. I'm going to place myself. God the Son did not place himself in that role of exaltation. God the Father called God the Son and put him in that spot. Huge detail, that Jesus Christ did not exalt himself, but God the Father placed him there. And in fact, it says very specifically, but was appointed by him who said, God the Father appointed him and made him exactly who he was meant to be in this world. God the Son and God the Father having a plan. It says he was appointed. Make sure you always understand the sovereign work and the will of God the Father in this world and God the Father working with him was appointed by him who said, you are my son, today I have begotten you. 
You are my son, today I have begotten you. Now this is a quote from Psalm chapter two, verse seven. You may wanna write that down, Psalm two, verse seven. In fact, it was quoted originally in Hebrews chapter one. We just saw it a few chapters back. And this is a messianic psalm, a psalm talking about the one who would be Messiah, that he would be king over all. And as it was talking about him, it said, you are my son. This is God the Father talking to God the Son, saying, you are my son. There is no other like you. You alone are my son. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Now, there are some when they see that phrase, today I have begotten you, and they begin to translate and interpret it. They say, oh, this is somehow like the beginning of Jesus, like he didn't exist, and then all of a sudden he did. And, and just so you know, that's a complete miss. That is not what this is talking about. Now, the word begotten, you could say you have been uh, started in this, if you want to say it that way. It is, it is kind of erupted into this, and here's what's happening. This is not said when Jesus all of a sudden existed and he didn't exist before it. It wasn't like at his birth or something like that. This is at the coronation of Christ as king. And he says, today you are my son and I have begotten you. God the Father saying, listen, I have established you as God the Son. I have sent you into this world. Jesus coming willingly as Emmanuel, God with us. And he gets raised up as king, established as king. And God the Father is like, this is my son and king, established. And it is true. And uh, today you are my son. Today I have begotten you. I have established you forever as king over all. Jesus Christ, he is King and Messiah. He says, as he says also in another place, and we've talked about this before, right? The author of Hebrews, kind of using that rabbi methodology, uh, as it says also in another place, and uh, that was a way for a rabbi to refer to something. Remember, they didn't have chapter and verse. They didn't have the detailing of exactly where to find a passage. And so they referenced it in this more generic fashion, as it says somewhere. And you can imagine they were really like, as it says in the scroll, as you roll it out and have to read along, and eventually you'll hit, as it says somewhere. Now, we can actually quote the exact verses nowadays, but he's like, as it says somewhere, and now he goes to quote Psalm 110, verse 4. And as he quotes Psalm 110, verse 4, he says, you are a priest forever. A priest forever. How long is he a priest? Like Jesus is our high priest forever high priest. And this is a huge deal that we grasp. He is not priest for a little while. He is priest from now always onward. He is our mediator, God on our behalf, Jesus Christ. He is our priest forever. Huge privilege and huge hope for us to know Jesus Christ representing us, not just a little bit, not just sometimes, but always and forever. It says, after the order of Melchizedek, and this is a really important deal, after the order of Melchizedek, what's he talking about? Well, way back at the time of Abraham, right? So you go all the way back to like the beginnings of Israel, way back at the time of Abraham, as there was this kind of beginnings to be cared for and this sort of figuring out which steps to take, Abraham following after God, God telling him where to go after war and what to do. And, and in fact, after winning some of that, he ended up taking home some of the spoils. And as he was bringing it home, he came across this priest named Melchizedek. This priest who represents God clearly over Abraham, and Abraham ended up tithing to him. 
He ended up giving him some level of a tenth of what of the spoils he just brought in. And as he gave it over, it was like a first fruits giving, a giving back to God Almighty. So if you can imagine it, you have like Abraham and under Abraham is like all of Israel, right? Abraham and under is all of Israel. But above Abraham was Melchizedek, the priest, this representative before God. And we don't know a lot about him. In fact, some will even say, I think that Melchizedek is really a Christophany, an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament as he's revealing himself as this mediator. And and it's very possible. What we do know is, at least in Hebrews, it says that he is basically of the order of Melchizedek, at least like that, above Abraham, mediator to God, and absolutely true for all eternity. He is of the priesthood forever of the order of the one who is above Abraham. Why is that important? Well, because under Abraham in Israel ended up being like Aaron and all of that crew that ended up becoming priests. And they had this privilege as priests, but that was of the Aaronic priesthood. That was the human beings under Abraham. This was divine priesthood above Abraham and between Abraham and God. A huge privilege represented to even meet this priest and then to give the tithe over. And he's like, just so we're clear, Jesus is of that Melchizedek priesthood. He's not just one of the guys. He's one and only the greatest, the greater of all high priests, Jesus Christ. Everybody just say, he is greater. He is greater. And that's the point here. As he says it, a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, Jesus will always be our great high priest doing amazing, amazing things. Jesus, may we rest in him. May we rely on him. May we grasp who he is. He is our intermediator, the one who goes for us and on our behalf. He loves you and he cares about you. May we rest in him. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, come. Those who are carrying heavy weight, come to me. My my burden is light. Come to me. Trust in me. Jesus is calling us to rest in him. This is a huge privilege for the priest who is greater than all others to invite us to trust and rest in him. You know, imagine there's a guy who's actually riding in a cart one of those old creaky wooden carts. And as he's riding along, he's got a donkey ahead of it that's attached. And as he kind of whips the donkey a little bit, it sort of pulls it along. It's so old, like it just sort of creaks as the wheels roll. You know, you can almost hear it just squeaking and going along. As he hits a rock on the pathway or the road, you can hear it just eek and creak as it goes over the rock and down. And this little cart going along and the donkey just pulling it slowly. And as he's moving along, I mean, it's not going at the fastest pace, but at least he's moving along. And he looks up ahead and he can see there's a guy walking up there. As he gets a little closer, he can tell it's an older man and he's got a huge pack on his back, this full pack. And he's walking along with this full pack and his legs are wobbling a little as he's walking. And so as he eases up next to him, he pulls up the cart and he says, why don't you climb in the cart? and just jump in the back and take a little bit of a break. Come on and climb in the cart with me. And the guy said, oh, that'd be great, thanks. And so as he climbs into the cart and gets set, there was really only uh, one seat up front. So the guy's riding in that seat, he kind of goes. And as he's moving along, he's talking to the guy. And as he's talking, he's noticing the guy is getting winded. 
while they're talking. Like he seems out of breath and he's like, wow, it must have been a lot of work for him while he was walking there. And as they're chatting along, he can tell it's getting worse and worse. Finally, he turns and looks back and the old man is standing and he's holding onto the seat with the pack still on his back, holding on. Man, is that you with Jesus Christ? Did you climb in for the ride with Jesus Christ, but you're still trying to carry the pack? It is time for us to take the pack off and set it down, to rest in him. Man, we should definitely not be walking away from the cart carrying the pack ourselves, but climbing into the cart and keeping the pack on, I've got it. All too often we try to feel like, Jesus, I appreciate all you've done for me and and I'm going to carry this part. Be careful. And what load are you under? What heartache are you carrying? Rest in him. Take off the pack and set it down and find rest in Jesus Christ. May we trust in the King of all kings. And all of God's people said, what's your pack? What needs to be set down? Are you ready to trust in your King and ride with Him? Okay. Point number two. Thank Him. He took on pain and suffering and became our source of salvation. Thank Him. He took on pain and suffering and became our source of salvation. Man, our worship is all about thanks. May we rest in him and may we thank him. It's a huge part of our walk with Jesus Christ. He says, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication. In the days of his flesh, this is talking about when God the Son clothed himself with humanity and became fully God and fully man, carrying the flesh of us, this human flesh, as he walked among us for 30 some years, as he was on earth, carrying the flesh and the weakness and the struggle and the attack and the pain and the bitternesses from others and the abuse and the, as he was walking in this world, in the flesh, Jesus Christ, It says Jesus offered up prayer and supplication. Notice it does not say that Jesus demanded or commanded. He offered up. It is so important that we grasp prayer. Prayer is an offering. Prayer is a privilege. Prayer is us coming before our God. And please hear me. Prayer is not about us coming before God to get what we want. Prayer is not about trying to move God and make him give us what we want. Man, if that's what you see prayer as, just so you know, you will often be coming to God, striving to try to push him or even manipulate to get him to move. The goal of prayer is not to move God. Please hear me on this. Our goal as we come before our God is drawing near to our king with all we've got and trusting in him. Quite often, prayer actually rocks our world. God never sits in a spot where we come to him and we're like, Lord God, this is going on. And he's like, wow, I never knew that. Like, I'm shocked by that. I had no idea. Or, or, God, could you please do this? I hadn't thought of that. That's a brilliant thought. Like, that's not where we are with our God. As we come to our God in prayer, he knows 
And he knows what he's doing. As we come in and we lay down our problems before him, may we lay them down with trust, saying, Lord God, you're in charge. Right? Giving him the privilege of being able to lead. Our prayer needs to be all about, God, I want to make sure you get all the glory. Now, please hear me. That's not to say that it's wrong to be specific. It isn't wrong to be specific in prayer. Lord God, here's what's going on. I would love it if this were the answer. This is what I would love to see, God. But your will be done. And that's the thunderous part of prayer, right? Being able to say, your will be done. Lord God, I would love this. And you're, you're in charge. Your will be done. Why? Because my God can. My God will. And even if my God doesn't, I will worship him. Are you in on being able to come to your king with total transparency, but trust him for whatever his call is? Are you in? It says Jesus Christ, he offered up his prayer. And I just wrote these words as I was reflecting on it this week. Prayer is not a demand. It's an offering. Prayer is not a demand. It's an offering. It's a presenting with great humility and deep respect. Prayer is not a demand. It's an offering of yourself. Lord God, you're in charge, right? May we go to him with all we've got. It says that Jesus came to him and offered up prayer before God the Father. You know, Jesus was in complete union with God throughout Right? God the Father, God the Son in total unity the whole time he was on earth. But this is speaking very specifically of the Garden of Gethsemane, of Jesus coming before the Father and bringing his request. The Garden of Gethsemane, right towards the end, just a few days before he was to go to the cross to carry your sin and mine, to experience a pain and a weight on him that he had never experienced before, the weight of sin. Jesus Christ in his perfection and glory was about ready to take on our sin and all of the pain that comes with it. And he was coming before the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, it's in the bottom of the Kidron Valley, right? Just as you're coming up out. And in the overnight, you'd have the cool air that would settle and the mist that would just settle down in. And it was a place to get out away from the city. And he went to the garden with just a few. And as he went into the garden... He cried out in angst and he brought the weight of this before his father. And, and I don't know if you've ever contemplated it before. You may have thought, well, well, he's God, so he can handle anything. And you're like, so, you know, his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane was like, well, here we go. You know, I've been waiting for this day and now here it is. And it wasn't that matter of fact and it wasn't that lighthearted. The weight that was pressing on was massive. And his weakness and heartache and struggle and tired. It says here that he prayed prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears, crying out, Father God, crying out, bringing it to him. Now his prayer was specific. Father, please take this cup from me. Lord, if there's any other way, Maybe something's changed. Maybe there's things that have adjusted in the time that I've taken on this human flesh as well as still being. And, and if you know everything, you're the Father and your will and I sit under. But Lord, take this cup from me if there's any other way. By the way, that's a brilliant prayer. 
Like, if we don't have to hurt, let's not hurt, right? That's not a wrong prayer. But if we do have to, then here we go. Lord God, I give this all to you. And he's like, Father, take this cup from me, specific. But not my will be done. Your will be done. The model of Jesus Christ in prayer is he came with specificity and then backed it up and said, but Father, your will be done. With tears and crying out, the volume rising, Father, please, I lay this before you. The weight of this, the stunning nature, can you imagine about ready to carry the weight of sin and pain and separation like never before? And he's bringing it to his father and he's laying it at his feet. It says with tears, and you know, scripture says that he cried tears like drops of blood. Make sure you catch that word like in there. It doesn't say that he actually started bleeding. Like drops of blood, so thick and so heavy and so weighty and so mixed with the sweat going on, just thick, heavy weight. It's in the cool, dark mist of the night. Jesus was preparing and laying it before his father and saying, your will be done. He loves you and he loves me and he's died for us and he went for us and he brought this prayer of weight and pain to his father. It says with loud cries and tears to tell him who was able to save him from death because it's kind of foolish to pray to somebody who can't really do anything. You know what I'm saying? He was praying to the one who could save him from death Like, I've always been dumbfounded by the person that makes an idol and then prays to the idol. Like, dude, you literally made that yourself. You're bigger than it. And now you're praying to it. It makes no sense. But he's praying to the God of the universe. He's praying to the king who's over it all. He's praying to the one who has death and life in his hands. And he's laying it out and saying, you've got this, God. I'm giving this to you. Now, what do you want done? Your will. This is a huge thunder prayer from Jesus Christ as he brought it to the God of the universe, God the Father, and trusted his will. Just thinking through this this week, I wrote, where you bring your concerns will show who you believe you can trust. Where you bring your concerns will show who you believe you can trust. It's a super big deal, man. When we start to resist going to God, when we resist going into whatever case where we should be putting some trust and we pull back, we're saying something about where we think we can carry our concerns. May we come to God the Father. May we trust in Jesus Christ. It says, and he was heard because of his reverence. He was heard because of his reverence. He was respectful to God the Father. He laid it on the line in full submission. He laid out the pain. He laid out the hurt. He laid out the love and desire, the absolute specifics. I would love for this not to be this way, but your will be done. Your will be done. Those are thunderous prayer statements. And as Jesus Christ came before him and said it with respect, it says he was heard because of his reverence. It says... Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Because the answer 
was no. We're not going to go around this. We're going to go through this. This is going to do something so phenomenal on an eternal level, and that is still the plan. As the father with the son just saying, I know the weight of this, and I am with you in this, but we're going through this. And it says, although he was the son, son of God, Jesus Christ, he brought a specific prayer, and he received the answer, we're going to do something by walking through it instead. He learned obedience through what he suffered. He learned. Man, if you've ever thought, how in the world could Jesus learn anything? Well, because he was learning what it is to sit under sin, to sit under pain, to sit under the weight of heartache, to sit under what would become a form of separation for a moment, to sit under this hardcore struggle. And Jesus Christ was learning to sit under it weak. And as God himself, these weaknesses were the first time he was tasting of, having clothed himself with humanity. And all of the simples from the hungry and the tired all the way up to carrying sin itself. He learned and he was obedient. It said, and being made perfect. Like Jesus Christ wasn't perfect? What's he talking about? Perfect may be a bad word there. Maybe a better word is being made complete. He was looking to fulfill all of the Old Testament priesthood. He needed to be able to have had weakness, but been able to step through it. He needed to be able to represent on behalf of, which meant the weight had to come down on. He, as God Almighty, needed to taste it of weakness and pain. And now he is. And in the middle of the Garden of Gethsemane, and in the middle of this heartache, as he's crying out, He was crying out with full trust. Your will be done. Because my God can. My God will. And even if my God doesn't, I will worship him. Man, are you in? Are you willing to worship Jesus Christ and walk through whatever the heartache, bringing your pain and your sorrow right to his feet? Take the pack off on the cart and begin to experience the peace that only Christ can bring. To give the weight of your concerns, maybe it's job, maybe it's family, maybe it's children. Maybe it's your own physical health and the frailties of your body. Maybe it is just the wobble of life and the uncertainties, whatever it is, bringing it to your God and saying, I am here and I am trusting in you. Lord, I'm giving you this massive weight on my pack and I'm setting it down at your feet. It says, in being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. He became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey. He is the forever priest who is fixing our forever in heaven. The eternal salvation, salvation that never goes away. Man, if we believe that Jesus is risen from the dead, if we confess him as Lord, if we lay ourselves before him and we obey him, you're in charge that's saved. 
and it affects our forever with Jesus Christ. Hear me, no more pain, no more heartache, no more sorrow, no more ache, no more body breaking down, no more soul breaking down, no more bad sin decisions you wish you had never been a part of, no more. I can't even imagine when we get to a point in heaven where we are literally not knowing sin ever again, ever again. Eternal salvation covered by our great high priest as he took the weight on himself. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, he says, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, being given the role of mediator, great high priest, after the order of the divine priest, Melchizedek. So much more than high priest, he is the great high priest. He is greater. Everybody just say, he is greater. Man, are you wrestling with some struggle in your life? Are things going away you wish they weren't going? Are you longing for things to be different now? Come before your Savior. Climb on the wagon and take the pack off. There is peace in Jesus Christ. And I mean like no other. Whatever your pack, are you ready to lay it at his feet and trust in him? And bring a thunderous prayer that goes, my God can, my God will, and even if my God doesn't, I will worship him. And let's just say it together. Let's say it out loud. Ready? My God can, my God will, and even if my God doesn't, I will worship him. Man, that is a thunderous prayer on your knees as you lay your pack at his feet and you trust the almighty king. And all of God's people said, let's pray.